Hey, everybody out there in podcast land, what is up? Yes, it's Friday night. It is time for your new episode of the Fortress of Rock with me, the maestro, Kevin Crane. As always, glad to have you aboard. Happy Father's Day weekend to all the dads out there. This is episode 44 of the Fortress, taping Friday night, June the 17th, 2022. Jam-packed episode, including in our second segment, my review of Sammy Hagar and the Circle with George Thorogood live. Just saw him a couple nights ago. Cannot wait to give you my breakdown of that fantastic show. But first, as always, we start everything off with News of the World in tribute to Queen and Freddie Mercury. And mostly what we've got is tour news. Some good, some bad. Now me personally, very happy to see the Doobie Brothers tour with Michael McDonald has resumed. So far, so good. I have tickets to see them in July in Michigan, Grand Rapids. Been delayed a couple times. Of course, COVID reared its ugly head, and we'll get to that in a minute. So far, fingers crossed, so good. About a month away from my date when I get to see them. Hoping everything goes well. Then, of course, last night in Atlanta, June the 16th, 2022, the massive, monstrous hair metal stadium tour finally got underway. Def Leppard, Motley Crue, Poison, and Joan Jett with Classless Act. And, of course, there's got to be bad news attached. Not only were there storms down in Atlanta that Def Leppard got through their set okay. My understanding is the storms didn't ruin the night, but they didn't make things any easier. But the big news coming out of the opening night was Tommy Lee discloses that he has four broken ribs, tried to play through the Motley Crue set, could not do it, had to bring in a backup drummer, guy who's played in the past for Ozzy Osbourne. I'm hoping Tommy Lee heals up in two months, selfishly, so that when I see him in mid-August, At Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis, he will be good to go. But that being said, great to see that tour starting off. Finally, just like the Doobie Brothers, all of these tours that have been postponed because of COVID, and we've been waiting two, three years to see them, finally, finally, these Shows are out on the road. 
And of course, next week, another long delayed tour. I will have a full review for you of Billy Joel Live at Notre Dame Stadium in South Bend, Indiana. Oh, wait, wait, I have to go back. Look look at my calendar. Sorry, that's two weeks away still. We'll just miss on next week's episode reviewing the Billy Joel Show. That'll be two weeks from now. Sorry, getting a little ahead of myself, getting a little bit anxious, getting excited. The show I've got for you next week I'm going to see Pat Benatar and Neil Giraldo. So that one will be on next week's show in the breakdown segment. Two weeks, Billy Joel. Next week, Pat Benatar. There you go, kids. Got everything straightened out for you. Of course, Amsterdam. People overseas a little disappointed because Mick Jagger tested positive for COVID. So the Stones have had to postpone a show in Amsterdam, hoping to resume their European tour next week. And two members of Ringo Starr's all-star band also have come down with COVID. They've had to postpone 12 dates on Ringo Starr and his all-star band's current tour. This is why you've still got to keep your fingers crossed, kids. Especially when it comes to older performers, because they're the ones that are most at risk. So, of course, we hope for the best for Mick Jagger. And one of the members of the all-star band, Steve Lukather, of course, famous for being in Toto. But we wish the best for all of them. Speedy recoveries all around. Let's get back out on the road and let's bring the rock and roll to the people. Now, of course, we have the concert tribute shows for Taylor Hawkins to discuss. I went on my little rant last week about how I don't see why these performers think it's a money grab if they were to actually do a full-fledged tour, but that's more for the Van Halen stuff than it is for this Taylor Hawkins Foo Fighters tribute. Because much harder logistically to pull this off than it would be for a Van Halen tribute tour that just involved Alex, Mikey, David Lee Roth, and maybe Joe Satriani. But now over the last week, a lot of the performers, a lot of the people that are going to appear at both the London and the Los Angeles Taylor Hawkins tribute shows have been announced. It's very intriguing. I'm just wondering how they're going to put this together. Who's going to play what? 
how much of this will be Foo Fighters, how much of this will be some of the the songs from the the other performers. Maybe with Dave Grohl on drums. I'll get to that in a second. First off, the London show will feature Getty Lee and Alec Lifeson of Rush, a couple members of Queen, Wolfgang Van Halen, Josh Ahm of Queens of the Stone Age, Stuart Copeland, of course, drummer for the police. Chrissy Hind of the Pretenders, and Dave Chappelle. Can't wait to see how Chrissy Hind and Dave Chappelle get along backstage. Now, a few days later, some of the performers, I don't think it's finalized yet, but some of the performers for the Los Angeles tribute show, in addition to Many of the people I've already mentioned, the Rush contingent, the Queen contingent, Wolfgang Van Halen, they'll all be at the L.A. show as well. But Gene Simmons will also be in Los Angeles. Nikki Six of Motley Crue. And then, of course, because London, England, always gets the cooler stuff than we do. We get Miley Cyrus in Alanis Morissette. Yay. Of course, lineups are still being finalized. We'll see what everything looks like when it all comes out in the wash in the end. Now, what I alluded to earlier was, wouldn't it be awesome? And don't tell me you wouldn't love to see this. Wouldn't it be awesome if Dave Grohl played the drums on Tom Sawyer with Getty Lee and Alec Lifeson? Wouldn't that be phenomenal? That's the one thing, the one song I have got to hear that comes out of the these tribute shows. Gotta hear that. If they don't do that, I will be extremely, extremely disappointed. Of, of course, you can look at the lineup as it is right now. Put Stuart Copeland back on the drums. Would the Foo Fighters with Stuart on drums do a police song? Something like Message in a Bottle. That would be cool. It will be very interesting to see where this goes with both the London and the Los Angeles tribute shows for Taylor Hawkins. And again, I understand why this particular tribute cannot be put on tour. I still think Van Halen could do a tour. Finally, to wrap up news of the world. Just came out today. 
1997 is the 25th anniversary of Collective Soul's fantastic third album, Discipline Breakdown. So now they've released a double CD set, expanded, a couple remixes. Can't tell you how much I hate remixes. And the, the ones I've listened to on this, they have one for She Said, they have one for the title track, I believe. Just not that great. Nothing different there. Nothing really different. That's why I can't stand remixes, remakes, redos. Nine times out of ten, the artist adds nothing to the original version. They don't make it better. They don't make it different. It's just they change and tweak just slight things in the mix where you can barely tell the difference. And that's, unfortunately, what I got out of the the few remixes that are on this 25th anniversary Discipline Breakdown re-release. Again, I know for sure she said is one of them. It's either Discipline Breakdown or Precious Declaration in terms of the other one. But either way, it's still dull, boring, not worth your time. Now, the second disc, there is a bonus second disc on the 25th anniversary edition that features a concert from Park West in Illinois. Pretty solid concert. Pretty, pretty good concert. Um, Great raw, messy version of Crazy Train included. And at one point, they, they segue into Revolution from the Beatles. Collective Soul is always dependable when it comes to great live shows, great albums. Of course, we talked last week about the fact that they do have a new album coming out August the 12th, Vibrating. I was wondering why there had not been any new stuff released, considering we're in mid-June and the album's coming out in two months, but now I kind of get it. They are trying to hold off. They're trying to give at least a couple weeks for this 25th anniversary edition of Discipline Breakdown to breathe, to sell a few more CDs before they start releasing stuff off their new album. Now I kind of get it. Now I kind of understand what's going on. But those of you out there who do not listen to Collective Soul, shame on you. This would be a great point to start. Discipline Breakdown is a fantastic album. 
Collective Soul basically hit it out of the park one, two, three with their first three albums. If I had to call out one of those three as the weak spot, I would say the debut. The debut was underproduced, very raw, but of course had a couple great songs, including their all-time classic, Shine. But Discipline Breakdown is fantastic. I think it just kind of pales in comparison to their second album, their self-titled second album. Some of us call it the Yellow Album. That album was so good from top to bottom, had so many hits on it. It would have been a miracle for any album, no matter how good, to surpass the heights that the second album did for Collective Soul. All right, kids, that's going to wrap up segment one. News of the World is done. Segment two coming up with, as I mentioned, my full review of Sammy Hagar and The Circle with George Thorogood and the Destroyers in Noblesville, Indiana, just a few nights back here, the 15th of June, 2022. Hang out for that. Do have an album review for you, although it's not really that impressive. And we'll discuss Tenacious D's The Who Medley. We talked about that last week. They put this out for gun safety. Proceeds of sales of the vinyl version of the Who Medley will go to a charity, a nonprofit that will promote, support gun safety. So hang out with me a little bit more, and I'm telling you, we have got tons more coming. I want to go back. Our third segment, jam-packed with a lot of interesting topics, anniversaries and birthdays. And we're not going to have time to, to even come close to reviewing all the stuff I'd like to. So when we get to wrap it up, I will let you know of all the stuff. Songs, albums, concerts, I will be reviewing over the next month. Of course, as I mentioned, Billy Joel two weeks from now. Pat Benatar next week. Hang out, kids. Friday night, Father's Day weekend. Let's have some fun. Coming right back with Sammy Hagar and George Thorogood. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Fortress of Rock podcast with me, the maestro, Kevin Crane. Of course, that was segment one, the news of the world, our tribute to Freddie Mercury and Queen, where we look back at the past week in rock and roll and all the news and all the controversies that you deserve to know about. Next up is the heart of the show, the meat and potatoes breakdown where we are going to review all the new songs all the new albums all the new concert tours the shows that i've seen personally stay tuned for that of course we're now available on spotify anchor apple stitcher 
CastBox, Google, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Hang out, kids. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Fortress of Rock, episode 44, June the 17th, 2022. I am the maestro, Kevin Crane. As always, happy to be with you on a Friday night talking rock and roll. All the dads out there, I hope you have a great Father's Day this coming Sunday. I will, as I mentioned in segment one, got my tour dates mixed up a bit. I'm going to see Pat Benatar this coming Sunday. So that will be your concert review next week, episode 45 on The Fortress. The week after that, I will have my breakdown of Billy Joel at Notre Dame Stadium. But this week, as the concert schedule gets in full summer swing, two nights ago, Wednesday, the 15th of June, Noblesville, Indiana, the Ruoff Music Center, those of us in Indiana know it as Deer Creek, Sammy Hagar and the Circle, with special guest George Thorogood and the Destroyers. Now, how you judge a concert like this really depends on what you're expecting going in. It's You know it's not going to be an epic concert. you got two old guys. I'm sorry, but... Sammy Hagar, George Thorogood are getting up there in years. We'll talk about some of the things that were indication for the, who I consider near immortal Sammy Hagar, that maybe he's starting to wear down a bit. But first with the opener, George Thorogood, we talked about last year, I saw him for the first time at the Follinger Outdoor Theater in Fort Wayne, Indiana. So here he's opening for Sammy in the circle. So the set list was a little shorter than it was when he was headlining, but I guess this is kind of sad when you compare it to that show back in 2021. George still played for an hour with the Destroyers here. Um, Seemed to maybe have a little bit more energy, maybe because the crowd was a little bigger. Although I was disappointed in the fact that the Ruoff Music Center outside of Indianapolis usually holds full capacity with the lawn, probably 18,000. And I have seen it packed for Dave Matthews. I've seen it packed for the Foo Fighters. I think maybe for Sammy and George, it was a third full. So do the math. Maybe 6,000, maybe 7,000. Still, it was a much bigger crowd than George had last year in Fort Wayne. 
So you could tell a little more energy that he was putting into the performance. Um, again, played for about an hour and 15, hour and 20 when he was the headliner last year. Still got a good solid hour out of him here as an opening act. And he did change the setup a little bit, which I appreciated, given the fact it was only about nine months, eight or nine months since the last time I'd seen him. So you got nine songs from George Thurgood. Rock Party seems to be his go-to to start off his set. Then he gets right into Who Do You Love? Now, the next two songs are where he changed things up a bit from when I saw him last year, and it was a welcome change, and these two songs were fantastic. He played Shot Down, and then he played Nighttime. Now, of course, Shot Down is an old song by the Sonics. Nighttime, an old song by the Strange Loves. Nighttime, I know, has been done over and over again by countless acts. But George did a really good job with both of them. Then after that, it was all the hits. Then after that, it was I Drink Alone, One Bourbon, One Scotch, One Beer. Gear Jammer, my personal favorite. Don't get me wrong, I love the previous two songs so much. I Drink Alone and One Bourbon, One Scotch, One Beer are my two favorite Thurgood songs, but Gear Jammer is so unbelievably underrated. And I think that's why George still plays it to this day in every set he gets to play guitar gets to show off as he says then after that of course we get move it on over and finally as you could probably predict bad to the bone so like i said saw george thurgood last year for the first time he was a headliner Played for about an hour and 15, hour and 20. Here he's opening for Sammy Hagar in the circle. We get a full hour. But again, a little bit more energy. Bigger crowd. He seemed to feed off that. Yeah, we missed out on a couple songs. I know when we saw him in 2021, he played Get a Haircut. And one of his bigger hits that I miss sorely in his set that I wish he'd play is You Talk Too Much. But I'm sure there's some problem with the, the Me Too generation or the PC police that say there's something wrong with the lyrics in that song and you can't play that. Otherwise, you're going to offend somebody. But that being said, for an hour, set. This was really good, really solid. Couldn't couldn't have envisioned anything much better than this. Great show. 
once again from George Thorogood. Then, of course, half an hour later, we get Sammy Hagar and the Circle. They take stage at 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on Wednesday, the 15th of June. Classy moves all around by Sammy, starting with playing over the loudspeakers, over the sound system, Summer Nights off of 5150 from Van Halen. Would have been nice to hear him play it live, but still a nice touch. One of many moments during the show, the 90-minute set that Sammy Hagar and the Circle played, where they they paid homage to Eddie Van Halen without actually getting sappy or maudlin. This was a 90-minute celebration of rock and roll, and for the most part, Van Halen. But Sammy knows what he's doing. He's too smart. He's been around for so long. He's not going to drag the show down with emotion. He's going to give us what he can, even in his 70s. 16-song set. From the circle. And it was solid hits. There was nothing from the last circle album. There was nothing from the upcoming circle album. Of course, the tour is called Crazy Times because that's supposedly the new Sammy Hagar and the circle album coming out at some point. But we haven't heard a single. We haven't heard any new music. This was a complete and total 16-hit set. Van Halen and Sammy Solo. So guns a-blazing, we come out with There's Only One Way to Rock. Then we jump to Van Halen with Pound Cake. Back to Sammy Solo, Three Lock Box. Back to Van Halen with Top of the World. Then, of course, we get Montrose Rock Candy. Back to Van Halen with Finish What You Started. Back to Sammy Solo for a couple songs with Moss Tequila. And then Your Love Is Driving Me Crazy. I want to give props to Vic Johnson, the guitar player for The Circle. He's been with Sammy for a while. Not as long as Michael Anthony on bass, but... Vic Johnson did a little bit extra something, and you have to hear it. If you go out and see them on tour, feel free to drop me a line, Facebook, or here on our podcast. He did a little extra something with the guitar, where he kind of tried to to burn that 80s pop sheen off of the original version. And make it a little bit harder, a little bit tougher, a little bit rougher version of Your Love is Driving Me Crazy. That was one of the highlights of the night for me. 
those little subtle differences in how a band treats a song, a well-known song, can make all the difference for somebody like me, somebody like you, when it comes to seeing a band that you've seen before, a performer that you've seen before, and you want to just hear, hear the hits, but maybe a little something different. Collective Soul, we talked about them in the last segment, is notorious for doing that with their big hit, December. So then, of course, after we get Your Love is Driving Me Crazy, another highlight of the night. One of my personal favorite Van Halen songs, Best of Both Worlds. Somebody threw a Hawaiian-style shirt on stage that Sammy put on. And Sammy, of course, anybody who's seen him knows the man is so fan-friendly. All he does for 90 minutes, 100 minutes, however long the set goes, he does his best singing all the songs, all the hits. But while he's doing that, he is signing things that people are throwing on stage. He was signing the night we saw him. Chicken foot albums, license plates, banners, t-shirts. The man is so smart. He knows how to keep his fans happy. Now, is it distracting, especially if you're not in the first five rows and you can't throw stuff up there for him to sign? Yeah. Yeah, kind of you get to the point where you go, okay, Sammy, how about you focus on the song? Once in a while, I admit it, once in a while I was thinking, how about you don't worry about signing the T-shirts for a couple minutes and work on performing for the rest of us who aren't in the the, fir- the first five or ten rows, who don't have all the money that these people have to buy multiple T-shirts and spend the money on the front row seats. But that's me. I'm bitter. I digress. But he puts on this shirt, going back to best of both worlds, that somebody throws up there. And of course, it is the most awesome, fantastic Hawaiian-style shirt ever because it's got these stripes, the Frankenstein pattern from Eddie Van Halen's classic guitar, the black, the white, the red. So Sammy puts that on. And, of course, he and Michael Anthony and Vic Johnson do the strut that we all know from the video, that we all know from seeing Van Halen in the past for Best of Both Worlds. Again, another highlight of the night. Then after that, we get the homage to Jason Bonham's father. Jason Bonham is fantastic. On drums, of course he is. I've seen the Led Zeppelin experience, a shortened version of it, not the full version, the opening act version of it. He's a fun guy. He's a great guy. He gets it. So, of course, they played rock and roll from Led Zeppelin. Then the biggest highlight of the night for me as a Van Halen fanatic. 
Sammy let Michael Anthony take over vocals, and they went back to the original, the first Van Halen album. And Michael Anthony, Vic Johnson, Jason Bonham played Ain't Talking About Love. And I'm telling you, there's not many songs that get a crowd fired up like that. Because when you get to the end, everybody's going, hey, 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 over and over. Hey, hey, hey. Even without David Lee Roth. Even without the great Eddie Van Halen. Even without Alex Van Halen on drums. That song, you know if there's any Van Halen blood in that song. In this case, of course, it's Michael Anthony. It matters. We care. We love it. It rocks. And I saw Michael Anthony open for Sammy Hagar probably about, I'm going to say about 12 or 13 years ago. Smaller venue, indoor venue. I think this was back when Sammy was with the Wabos or the Wabaritas. And of course, Mikey's been with him all the way through, ever since Van Halen with Sammy broke up. Of course, I'm sorry, Gary Sharon. I know Michael Anthony played bass during the Van Halen 3 era, and I loved it. I'm one of the few people that still sticks up for that album, but basically it's been Sammy and Mikey ever since Van Halen broke up. Van Halen version 2.0, Van Hagar. So after ain't talking about love, back to some more Van Halen right now. And why can't this be love? I will admit I was skeptical when I heard why can't this be love? Here's a problem I had with the concert. It's nothing to do with the band, nothing to do with the performance. But again, unless you're in the first 20, 25 rows, you've become dependent on video screens at a bigger concert. And this was the first time I have ever seen it where they could not sync up what was happening on stage with the video screens. So there was like a two or three second delay from what we were seeing on the video screens versus what was happening on stage. And it was really, really distracting, really terrible. And of course, I do my best to always focus on what's going on on the stage. But when you're in row 40, 45, you have become dependent on those video screens to help you enjoy the concert. Now, unfortunately, that was the big drawback for this show, both with Thurgood and with The Circle, was that the video screens were not synced up with what was happening on stage. That being said, the original guitar part from Why Can't This Be Loved by Eddie Van Halen is very tricky to play. And I, I am just putting it out there, and I am telling you right now, all the Van Halen haters out there 
who are ripping on Vic Johnson. Vic Johnson does the absolute best he possibly can to mimic, to ape, to play homage to Eddie Van Halen. He doesn't deserve your hate. He deserves praise. But that being said, there was something about why can't this be love where it almost seemed like it was being piped in. The guitar parts, especially the solo, seemed like they were being piped in. Again, I don't know because of the fact that the video screens were not in sync with what was going on on the stage. I can't say conclusively 100% I'm right. But for that one song, I had a bad feeling that maybe they were letting samples, pre-recorded stuff leak in. After that, we get the awesome, classic, fantastic, heavy metal. I hope Sammy never stops playing heavy metal. I love that song so much. Then we get, of course, I Can't Drive 55. That was supposed to be, of course, the end of the the first set before the encore. And again, another reason to love Sammy. Sammy comes out and says, they didn't leave the stage. Everybody stayed out there. Sammy basically gets on the mic and says, listen, we're not leaving the stage, going back and coming out again, because at my age, if I go backstage, sit down, I'm not getting up again. So we're just going to do the encore song, and then we're done. And a lot of us out there respect that. The tradition of the encore has become worn out and tired. Now, unfortunately, the song he played for the encore to wrap things up is not one of my favorite Van Halen songs, so this is the one that kind of dinged things up for me a little bit. You got that cherry car, you've waxed it, beautiful finish, you've cleaned the tires off the white walls and everything looked pretty and beautiful, shining in the sun, and then something happens. You get that little imperfection, that little dang on it, and that's what I felt when they came out and played When It's Love. This is a Sammy Van Halen song, not a Van Halen song. That being said, it was going to be really hard to ruin the night. It was a great night. Again, as I alluded to at the beginning of this segment, this review, Some of us want something different. Some of us want newer songs. I would have liked to have heard a new song off Crazy Times. I would have probably even liked to have heard something off the last Circle album. But I know most people out there want the hits. So Sammy and the Circle delivered in that respect perfectly, beautifully as did George Thorogood. Now, George, as I mentioned, threw a couple different songs in there from when I saw him last year, which made that set a little bit more special to me. 
overall, great, great show. Again, standard issue, all the hits. Would have liked something a little different. I took the nuances, like I said, Vic Johnson's guitar on Your Love is Driving Me Crazy. Sammy wearing the the Frankenstein shirt on Best of Both Worlds. I'll take those little moments and be happy. One song to review this week. I mentioned last week Tenacious D has put out the Who medley for a nonprofit, a charity supporting gun safety. I just want more Tenacious D. Funny, energetic, crazy, maniacal, vibrant Tenacious D. So it was wonderful. It was fantastic to get more of Jack Black and Kyle Gass. The Who medley is fantastic. It's fun. It's short. It's only three hours, uh, three, not three hours, three minutes, 20 seconds, roughly. Three hits kind of mashed together from Tommy, including Pinball Wizard in there. And they've been playing this for years and years and years. The video is weird, creepy, scary. I think I might have mentioned this last week. But check out the Who medley. If you're a diehard Who fan, diehard Tenacious D fan, buy the vinyl version so that money goes to help out with gun safety. I'm not for banning guns. I am not for repealing the Second Amendment. But at the same time, we have got to put regulations in place, stricter rules in place to make sure that only responsible people without mental health issues can own guns. Finally, album review of the week. The Michael Schenker Group. New album, Universal. And I am going to break a cardinal rule here on the Fortress of Rock, where usually I will go track by track, break down an album, but for two reasons. Number one, much more interested in telling you guys about the Sammy Hagar concert. Because number two, this album is not good. The legendary Michael Schenker, great guitarist, but this album from MSG is just generic, boring. I hate to use terms that don't give you any more of a description of what we're talking about here, but there's 13 songs on Universal. The weak point that I've found is the lead singer. Ronnie Romero has just got a weak, weak voice when it comes to singing hard rock. We talked about this about a month ago with the album Skills. The super group that was put together by the Frontiers Records CEO. You had Brad Gillis, you had Billy Sheehan on bass. 
trying to put together a super group thinking, oh, there's no way this can fail. But again, you have to have the front man. You have to have the lead guy that will bring in the crowds, that will keep the crowds engaged, that won't bore everybody to tears. Because there are so many, there are only so many four-minute guitar solos you can do before people go, what about the rest of the band? What about the lead singer? What about the songs? Universal is not a good album, again, by any stretch of the imagination. Probably the best song on the album is Wrecking Ball. And of course, that's one of the few songs where Schenker changed up the vocals. Ralph Sheepers is the guy singing Wrecking Ball. He gives it a harder edge. And it works better than most of the other songs on Universal with Ronnie Romero. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to pick on Ronnie Romero. My apologies to his family and his friends. I'm sure he will accomplish more than I could ever in the realm of rock and roll. But he's just not a frontline rock and roll singer. Stay away, stay away, stay away from the Michael Schenker group and their new album, Universal. In summary, listen to Tenacious D. Go see Sammy Hagar and George Thorogood. Stay away from Michael Schenker, at least his new album. All right, that'll do it for Breakdown, our tribute to Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, reviews each and every week of albums and concerts and singles. Next up, traveling back in time for rock and roll history. I want to go back, coming up next on The Fortress. All right, now that we've looked at the current state of music in our breakdown segment, it is time to climb into the DeLorean and travel back in time to look back at moments in rock and roll history, birthdays, deaths, anniversaries of song and album releases. It is time for I Want to Go Back our tribute to Eddie Money. Stay tuned. And as always, we're on Spotify, Anchor, Apple, Stitcher, CastBox, Google, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public, anywhere where you listen to your favorite podcasts. Hey, everybody, ready to travel back in time? As always, segment three here on the Fortress of Rock as we tape June 17th, 2022 is I Want to Go Back, an homage to Eddie Money, the late great Eddie Money. In segment three, of course, we always look back at anniversaries of classic album releases, moments in rock history, birthdays. And this is where we always acknowledge our sources for a lot of the stories that we get here on the Fortress of Rock, the the Van Halen News Desk. Of course, since I am a Van Halen fanatic, the VH News Desk always comes into play. Thisdayinmusic.com, 
and of course, ultimateclassicrock.com. Again, some of the ideas for these stories come from them, but in the end, the opinions, the reviews, the critiques, the commentary, it's all mine and mine alone. We're going to start off with birthdays here. When we get to anniversaries, we've got a lot to talk about. Just a couple birthdays here, and of course, the first one I bring up will probably upset a lot of diehard rock and roll people. But every once in a while, if you've been listening to The Fortress over the past year, you know that I like to delve into my childhood back in the 70s. My formative years when I was first starting to listen to music. I've referenced disco. I've talked about Grease. I've talked about Saturday Night Fever. I've talked about KTEL albums. I've talked about Casey and the Sunshine Band. Now, I do not own a CD, an album. There's nothing on my computer or my phone from Barry Manilow. But part of me just felt I had to acknowledge the fact that Barry Manilow, June the 17th, 1946 was born 76 years old today again don't pull my rock card for bringing this up Barry Manilow had a couple good songs I'm sorry I am going to say that I will put that out there I thought everybody loves Copacabana it's a fun song. It's a party song. Regardless of what you think about Barry Manilow and how he holds himself and how he lives his life, Copacabana is a fun song. I also personally like the cheesy, over-the-top melodrama of ships two ships that pass in the night that is just the ultimate classic relationship cliche and barry manilow did it better than anybody else with the song ships now i have limits mandy you can take mandy and you can run with that as far away from me as possible because that song is awful. You know, something like Looks Like We Made It. Not terrible. It's okay. I've heard worse. I've heard better. But you get where I'm going here. Acknowledging somebody who had a couple great songs when I was a kid. And I'm being honest here, I'm not playing CYA. I really have not listened to a Barry Manilow song that I can think of since the early 80s. But I, I know where he sits in music history. Fortunately, you've got to look at him, the mind's eye, the music mind's eye looks at him in those glittery 
spangled jumpsuits <laughs> and cringes. But again, there were some okay moments in there for Barry Manilow. So happy birthday, Barry. A year later, one of those guys that doesn't get enough credit for what he meant to a band because he got booted, he got kicked out in favor of somebody who catapulted the band to greater success. I'm talking about Greg Raleigh. Greg Raleigh was born on June the 17th in 1947, of course, played in Santana, and then, along with Neil Sean, went on to form Journey. Greg Raleigh, 75 years old today. Happy birthday, Greg. I will recognize you. I will acknowledge you as one of those forces that propelled Journey to level B before Steve Perry propelled them commercially at least, to level A. Of course, if you listen to the albums in Journey's formative years, and of course, up until Steve Perry took over all the lead vocals, listen to any time. One of Journey's first big radio hits, Anytime. That's Greg Raleigh, for the most part. Steve Perry jumps in there at certain points, but Greg Raleigh is the guy who makes that song. He's harmony vocals on Wheel in the Sky. It's a shame that they couldn't coexist, Greg Rowley and Steve Perry. Because, yes, Journey turned out to be a phenomenon worldwide, of course, when Escape, Frontiers hit, as Greg Rowley had already left the band. And Journey has had a very bizarre history in terms of, it's Neil Sean's band. Neil Sean will decide in the end who's in and who's out. We just saw that recently with the drummer Steve Smith, bass player Ross Valerie, of course, part of the classic Journey lineup, got booted out of the band for supposedly trying to start a coup. But Greg Rowley does not get the credit he deserves for being one of those foundation rocks for what we now know as Journey. Let's put it this way. Everybody knows Jonathan Cain is now a full-fledged member of Journey, and he was there during the great years with Escape and Frontiers, as I mentioned. He basically took the place of Greg Rowley. And I'm not trying to rip on Jonathan Kane. He's fantastic. But it just felt like the band lost a little bit of their edge when they went with Kane over Raleigh. And of course, then gave all the vocal duties to Steve Perry. 
Speaking of a band where you had split vocal duties, again in 1947 on this date, June the 17th, unfortunately he has passed away quite a while back, but Paul Young, one of the two lead singers for Mike and the Mechanics, was born on this day in 1947. Now, Mike and the Mechanics, of course, an offshoot of Genesis. Mike Rutherford, the guitar player, started his own band, and they had very good success for about three or four years. Now, their biggest hit, The Living Years, of course, was sung by Paul Carrick, another well-known lead singer who had been previously with Squeeze, But Paul Young was kind of the co-lead singer because if you remember the song, which was a hit for Mike and the Mechanics, All I Need is a Miracle, that was Paul Young singing that song for the band. So in a way, kind of like Journey where you had for a while Greg Rowley and Steve Perry, much more of an even split with Mike and the Mechanics between Paul Carrick and Paul Young. Again, another band that doesn't get much attention anymore. But Mike and the Mechanics, Paul Young, go back, check them out. Some great, great 80s, 90s pop rock. All right, our anniversaries. Going to have a bunch of stuff here to talk about, including, yes, selfishly, Van Halen stuff. So let's start off with that. No, we're not going back 30 years. We're not going back 20 years. We're not going back 15 years. We're going back one year. Earlier this week, June the 11th, 2021, one year ago, on that day, my album of the year for 2021, the promise for the future of rock and roll, Mammoth WVH was released. That's how goddamn important that album is to me, and that's how important it should be to you. Only one year ago, that's still a significant anniversary to me because Wolfgang Van Halen, to me, is the future of rock and roll. Of course, on the anniversary of the release of Mammoth WVH, he says he's getting ready to go in and work on the second album. The kid's a perfectionist. I'm not expecting anything until late 2023 at the absolute earliest. And then the other big Van Halen anniversary this week, today, June the 17th, back in 1991, the 31-year anniversary of the release of For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge.
the last great Van Hagar album. And I hate using that term. I just hate it. The last great Van Halen album with Sammy Hagar. And of course, we talked about the concert in segment two with Sammy Hagar. And he played Pound Cake off of For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge. And of course, that album also featured Right Now. Two anniversaries involving the final album releases from fantastic, classic, great bands. We go back to June the 12th, earlier this week, 2012. The 10-year anniversary of the release of Clockwork Angels from Rush, which unfortunately because of the death of Neil Peart, turned out to be the final album we will get from Rush. And I just, I like it when a band, even if it's inadvertent, same thing with Van Halen. I have told everybody who will listen how I'm fine with the fact that A Different Kind of Truth was the last Van Halen album. You got Dave back in the fold. You got all the old songs. You reworked them. You made them fantastic. You put out a, an unbelievably rocking album. Same thing with Rush. Clockwork Angels is such a great, fantastic, cohesive work. And of course, they say it's a theme album. Okay. I'll take Getty Lee and Alec Lifeson's word for it. Saw them on that tour. The one and only time I have seen Rush. So thankful and happy that my friend who'd seen him talked me into going to see him. Told me, he said, you got to check the box. You've got to see Rush. And ever since then, and ever since Neil Peart passed away, I have taken that sentiment to heart. And I've tried my best. I've failed sometimes. But for the most part, if I can go see somebody I've never seen before, before either they pass or I pass, kind of why I'm forcing myself to go solo to see Pat Benatar this weekend is because I've never seen her. She's going to the Rock Hall of Fame. I don't know how much more she's got in her tank. I don't know how much more I've got in my tank. If there's anything I can impart to you kids out there. Yes, there's inflation. Yes, gas prices suck makes it harder and harder to make a decision to go see a concert, especially if it's not nearby. But just remember this, you've got one life, one life to live. 
You don't know when it's coming. You don't know when your number's going to be pulled. You don't know if the big man above or the horned man below is going to call your name. Regrets are the worst. Don't have regrets. Reconcile with people you love, who you're fighting with, and go see that concert that you never got to see. Do it. Don't be afraid. Don't worry about the money. The money will come. Very wise young woman I knew decades ago imparted very simplistic wisdom on me when I was worried about making a huge career in life change. She said, it'll all work out. She was right. It all works out. Yes, there are bumps in the road. Nobody's naive. Nobody's stupid. There are always bumps in the road and there's going to be bad days, bad weeks, bad months, even bad years. Get through it and live your life. The other final album release anniversary I want to talk about here. January, uh, June the 15th, sorry, June the 15th, 2007. So a couple days back here, the 15-year anniversary of the release of the White Stripes' last album, Icky Thump. Now, I've talked a bit about Jack White here on the podcast, reviewed his last album. Of course, he's got another album coming out here in about a month. We'll review that. I think Jack White is unbelievably creative. He burns with a passion for music and rock and roll like few others do. Maybe Dave Grohl, I would put in his class. But that being said, Jack White works so much better when he has somebody else to be accountable with and for and to. Even if it's Meg White. I thought Jack White's last solo album was really good. Not great, really good. And that's pretty much how I felt about most of his solo work to date. But when he was in the White Stripes, Icky Thump is a great example of the heights that Jack White can reach creatively, even if he's got somebody like Meg White that he's beholden to. And of course, I think when he's with the Tours, he's at his best because that's a full-fledged band. And he has to share the spotlight and he has to have give and take when it comes to creative decisions. The Tours are fantastic and I wish he would bring them back together more often. He's got the dead weather. Not a big fan of the dead weather. But again, 
sad that the White Stripes ended. But Icky Thump was a good album to go out on. Not an embarrassment, a very, very solid, almost high point for the band, for the duo. Definitely, definitely better than if they'd ended with the album before Get Behind Me Satan, which was not nearly as good as Icky Thump or the couple albums that preceded it. All right, couple other anniversaries to wrap up the I Want to Go Back segment. Going back to June the 17th of 1972. This is where I would love to be able to engage with you guys. And again, comments on Facebook, comments here on our Spotify page. But of course, we're available all over the place, not just Spotify, Apple and Google and Stitcher and all those other great places, all those other fantastic platforms I mentioned earlier. Exile on Main Street hit number one in the U.S. on this date in 1972. And I love the Stones. I do. I do love the Stones. I'm one of those guys, if you go Beatles or Stones, I go to the Stones. Because in the end, I'm going to take songs like Gimme Shelter or Sympathy for the Devil over anything the Beatles ever put out. Maybe the Beatles were a little bit more consistent. But in the end, I'll take the Stones catalog over the Beatles catalog. That being said, the legend that has grown around exile on Main Street, I do not understand it at all. Rock critics go crazy. Cream their jeans over Exile on Main Street. And I went out and I bought it years ago. I said, I've got to try to listen to this album. Got to try to digest it. Find out why it's considered one of the greatest albums of all time. And still to this day, I don't know why. (laughs) It's just not to me as great as it's made out to be. Maybe I'll grab it, throw it in the CD player, give it another spin here after we start talking about it. Haven't listened to it in years. This is bringing up memories of when I Again, when I bought it, thinking I would 
join in with the chorus of fanatics and maybe find some way, something in it. The light bulb would go off. And I'd say, oh my God, now I get it. Now I get why Exile on Main Street is so great. Still haven't got to that moment. Still haven't got to that point. Now, a couple albums that did resonate with me. I'm cheating here a little bit to wrap up. I want to go back. I'm going to go over to the United Kingdom, to Great Britain, for this anniversary moment, because I want to talk about this band in the few moments we've got left. June the 17th, 2007. Fifteen-year anniversary of the Traveling Woolberries collection. Hitting number one in the UK. Again, kind of cheating here, but... The Traveling Wolverines were the ultimate supergroup. There is no debate. There is no argument. The rock and roll geniuses, the Hall of Famers who were involved in the Traveling Wolverines. It's amazing that the egos meshed as well as they did. Friendships that endured from the Traveling Woolbury Sessions. Of course, two albums. The collection I'm speaking of put together Traveling Woolbury's Volume 1 and Volume 3. Yes, they did that on purpose, skipping Volume 2. Of course, the big difference between Volume 1 and Volume 3 is Roy Orbison's passing right after the release of Traveling Wilburys Volume 1. Volume 3, rumors are that Bob Dylan, no shock here, kind of was the thorn in the side of Petty and Harrison and Lynn. But they got it done. It's still a great album. Of course, Volume 1 is a classic. I think this type of collaboration is what all these other musicians aspire to when they try to pull this off and try to to do the quote-unquote supergroup thing. George Harrison supposedly was the the main instigator here. He was the one that really pushed this. George Harrison, along with Jeff Lynne, Roy Orbison, Bob Dylan, and Tom Petty, of course, comprised the Traveling Woolberries, at least for the first volume. And as I mentioned, Roy Orbison tragically passed. So volume three was just the quartet of Dylan Lynn. Petty and Harrison. 
great, great music that flew in the face of popular convention at the time. Everything was going hip-hop and rap, emo rock. And the Woolburys just put together southern-inflected folk, blues, pop rock, and it was brilliant, and it was wonderful. If you have not listened to the Traveling Woolburys, and I imagine a lot of younger listeners don't know who I'm talking about, get on Spotify, check out Traveling Woolburys Volume 1. You will not be disappointed. All right, time to jump to segment four, and we'll discuss what's coming up in the next month or so here on the Fortress of Rock. I'll be right back. Well, we hope you enjoyed our trip back in time, looking back at the anniversaries, the classic moments in rock and roll history. But of course, the DeLorean works both ways. So now we have to move forward. The last segment here, as always, on the Fortress of Rock with me, the maestro Kevin Crane. Spotify, Anchor, Apple, Stitcher, CastBox, Google, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. It's all about the future. What's coming out here in the next month or two? What songs? What albums? What concert tours? That's why we call it Wrap It Up. Thanks to the fabulous Thunderbirds. Thanks to you for hanging out. Here comes our final segment. All right, kids. Friday night. Get out there. Have some fun responsibly. Don't drink and drive. Stay at home. Drink as much as you want. I'm the maestro Kevin Crane, wrapping up episode 44 here, June the 17th, 2022, here on the Fortress of Rock. Of course, wrap it up is our tribute to the fabulous Thunderbirds. The Sammy Hagar, George Thurgood review this week took up a lot of our breakdown segment time, so I did not get to review nearly as much new music as I wanted to. Guaranteed next week, you will finally get my review of The Fix, their new album, Every Five Seconds. Definitely, definitely, definitely coming next week, along with that Pat Benatar, Neil Giraldo live review I promised you earlier. I am also, at some point in the next two weeks, maybe this coming week, maybe next week, finally going to give you my review of Craig Finn, his new album, A Legacy of Reynolds. Of course, Craig Finn is the lead singer of The Hold Steady. Also looking at possibly, maybe, down the road, reviewing Fozzie's new album, Boombox. Yes, I have dropped off Wilco's Cruel Country. I'm not sure when or if I'm going to get to that. Also, I've abandoned any hope, any thought of reviewing the new Black Keys album just because they've disappointed me so much 
over the past few albums. I don't really want to waste any more time like I did this week with the Michael Schenker group. Need some good, positive vibes in my music now. Need a couple good reviews here. So hopefully The Fix and Craig Finn and Fozzie over the next few weeks will give that to me. And of course, Journey, their new album, Freedom, coming out on July the 8th, will be on the slate as well. One last time, concerts, two weeks, Billy Joel. Next week, Pat Benatar. Some of the songs that I mentioned last week that I'm still looking to review here for the next few upcoming episodes. I talked about Jack White, talked about his second album of 2022 coming out here next month. The first single has been released, If I Die Tomorrow. Mentioned it last week. Hopefully review next week latest week after still looking at possibly maybe reviewing this japanese release only red hot chili peppers track nerve flip from unlimited love also looking at reviewing the alan parsons tommy shaw collaboration Euroboros here soon We mentioned Journey's new album, their new single, Don't Give Up On Us. Possibly maybe on the slate for next week. And then again, I know you guys are probably upset with me for actually daring to talk about Barry Manilow in segment three. So I don't know if I'm going to review the new Chicago release firecracker i don't know if that's going to do any more damage to my rock credentials it shouldn't because chicago is in the rock and roll hall of fame but like you i'm very fickle very opinionated so maybe maybe not also just discovered today new song from ugly kid joe yeah you remember them neighbor cats in the cradle i hate everything about you new song from ugly kid joe called that ain't living That'll be coming up here within the next couple weeks here on the Fortress of Rock. We wish Tommy Lee well. Again, with the start of the Def Leppard, Motley Crue, Poison, Joan Jet Stadium Tour. The one thing I was worried about, the one thing I was scared about was, was Vince Neil's voice going to hold out over the next couple months until I get to selfishly see them in mid-August 
And of course, it turns out that I didn't have to worry about Vince Neal as much as I had to worry about Tommy Lee and those broken ribs. So, Tommy Lee, heal up quickly, my man. I don't want you to shortchange any other city, any other tour date, but in the end, get healed up and be ready to rock Indianapolis, Indiana in mid-August. So there you go, kids. Sun is starting to set here in the Midwest. Friday night, go out again. Have some fun responsibly. I'm going to. Even if you're just staying at home, hanging out with your kids, hanging out with your family, hanging out with your significant other. Enjoy yourself. Have a great Father's Day weekend. Reach out to your kids. Even if you don't have kids, reach out to your friends. Enjoy yourself. Have a great weekend. Before you know it, the summer will be gone. Not trying to be a negative Nancy, but those of us who live in the Midwest know summer doesn't seem to last nearly as long as winter does. So enjoy it. Smoke them if you got them. If the bottle's not empty, drink it down. Come back next Friday night for another great episode of the Fortress of Rock with me, the maestro, Kevin Crane. Take care, kids. Be safe. We love you. Rock out until next week.